Welcome, everyone, to the Fantastics Inside of Baseball podcast. You're probably listening to us at InsideOfBaseball.com, but if you found us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, make sure you subscribe so you get the latest issues when they drop because we don't work on a regular schedule. Brandon Cameron and Lou Blassie. I'm Lou Blassie. That's Brandon Cameron from Fantastics and InsideOfBaseball.com. And, Brandon, I love the topic you wanted for today. This is something um, in the last couple of years I have struggled so badly, it seems, with starting pitching. And it's not necessarily because of evaluation. It's just, for example, I have Max Freed. I have uh, uh, Brandon Woodruff. And I just have so many injured pitchers at this point that I have to start looking for pitchers throughout the league. And I have to start taking chances on young pitchers. And so that's what has, has seemed to have been my focus for the last two or three years in fantasy baseball is trying to evaluate young pitchers. And it's difficult to do, and it's because you're not only evaluating their skill level, you're evaluating their workload, where they fit in with the team, mm-hmm. you know, how the team's going to play uh, the game with them in terms of options and things like that. Um, and I, I don't know if it's just anecdotal, but it does feel like there are a lot of really good young pitchers this year. And it seems like every week there's one or two that have been coming up and you have to make that decision on, do I spend the fab on them? You know, do I use a roster spot on them? Um, And it's evaluating again, not only what their skill level is, but also are the, how many innings are they going to get? Are they going to stay up? What's, what's it going to be like the rest of the season? Yeah. And it just seems like, again, just recently, some of the guys on this list who are in the majors, Bryce Miller and Tana Bibby are just guys I've claimed within the last week or so and put in Gavin Williams is the guy I wrote about in Prospect Central this week. And uh, he's a guy who I claimed for my minor league element uh, as well. So it's just this seems to be we talked about in the past about working week to week and day to day on bullpens and just staying up on that and all the maintenance it took just to to work bullpens. If you were going to be like me and not necessarily spend a ton on relief pitching in the draft. And now this seems to have turned to uh, dealing with young pitchers. And I don't dislike it. I, I like the fact that there's this good rush of young pitchers going up here. There really is. And and it's worth noting that the, this is a class. This is a special class um, over the, you know, this year, the next year or so of really, really, really talented young pitchers. And, and that could play a role in how we see the game move in four or five years when these guys are entering their primes. Uh, because there's there's just a lot of really good young pitchers right now. Uh, let me ask you, because yesterday on on the serious show with Sky, I get into this concept a couple of different times, and it applies here quite a bit. And I know we're going to talk about a lot of things with these pitchers, but generally speaking, do you have how's what piece of the pie do you put into the organization that the pitcher is coming out of? Because I see, I found myself yesterday understanding that I seem to have a lot of faith in certain. Um, organizations for certain things some atlanta develops pitches very well houston develops pitches very well cleveland is developing a reputation for uh, developing pitchers very well i just seem to have a little faith in these and it, it gives a little extra juice to these young pitchers when um, they come from an organization that i have some faith in i think i think that certainly plays well i think cleveland is a good point um you know even going back years now you can really think about the way Cleveland has developed pitchers. So I do think that that definitely plays into it. I mean, more than anything, talent level is obviously the key here. Um, But I also think 
I think of organization when it comes to, again, how are they going to monitor the workload? And I try to look at what they've done in the past. Um, how are they going to monitor? You know, I mean, take example, take for example, the Rays and what they've already done with Taj Bradley, sending him down, bringing him up, sending yep. him down, bringing him up. Um, you know, he's, he's back up now, but is he going to be sent down again? You know, those are the things I want to at least consider to see, okay, the Rays have a plan. We may not love it from a fantasy standpoint, but they certainly have a plan with how they're going to deal with him. Um, that would apply to maybe either other pitchers they're going to be bringing up in the future and, and things along those lines. So, um, yes, I do think factoring in the organization is extraordinarily important, whether it is the development level of that pitcher and what they've done with pitchers in the past, um, and then also just how they've dealt with the pitchers. We'll get into Taj Bradley in a bit, but I remember writing about him when he first came up, and I kind of hoped that this is what they were going to do because there are a lot of things I saw that I liked, and I thought he was ready for a taste, certainly, but I wanted to make sure that he pitched on a regular rotation. I wanted to make sure he didn't get overwhelmed, and there were certainly things that he has to work on in the minors, or, or there's low-hanging developmental fruit that he could probably get to this year and in a more instructional basis in the minors or where he's able to because in the minor leagues, like in spring training, they get to work on things as opposed to just game planning and trying to win ball games. So I kind of like what they're doing. I was kind of hoping they would do it this way. I didn't realize it would be this flexible. I thought he might come up for a couple starts and then go down for a month or so and then come up for a start or two and go down. But they've been even more flexible with him on this. Yeah. And and like I said, it, it makes perfect sense from the Rays point of view. From a fantasy perspective, it's kind of difficult to know how to deal with a guy like Taj Bradley. Um, you know, for them, you know, they're, they're maximizing, you know, the use of their minor leagues and, and the way to develop him. But again, it's, it's difficult from a fantasy perspective and it, it does affect his fantasy value. We, we have to think about that, you know, ultimately fantasy value yeah. is different than real life value and, uh, fantasy value does lie in how many innings they're going to get at the major league level, of course. And so, um, it, it you know, the Rays, uh, obviously are, you know, among the best in terms of developing pitchers. Um, and they really have firm plans and they have, you know, they know what they're doing. Um, but it also can impact his fantasy value and we have to factor that in. All right. So acclimation is part of this, how well their stuff and how well their development to this point translates to the major leagues and against major league hitters. What are some of the other things we're looking for with young pitchers to understand that they can be effective at the major league level? Yeah, certainly one of the first things I look at, and I think we've talked about this before, is control. You, you know, are are you able to get the ball over the plate? Um, and are you coming in walking a lot of guys? Um, and it, there's a little bit of that that's natural. You know, I mean, it is, you know, nerve wracking coming to the major leagues. And some guys who don't even have a history of walking guys can can be afraid to come into the plate. You're facing better better hitters. Right. Um, but that is one of the first things I look at. It's just, it's just walks. I mean, how many guys are you walking? Um, because ultimately that's going to cause problems. And a lot of these guys I'm looking at in terms of redraft value, obviously for these young pitchers, it's a very different topic when we're talking about redraft value versus dynasty value right. and, and, and keeper value, because ultimately Pitching in, you know, your rookie year is very difficult. And you, this goes back, you know, as long as baseball has been around, it is very difficult the first year as a pitcher. 
um, because there are so many things at, you know that you're factoring in pitch mix, pitch arsenal. There, there, you can have pitches that just absolutely blow AAA guys away, but they don't work against major leaguers. So those sorts of things are extraordinarily important. Um, and so redraft value is really, really tough for these young pitchers. So you have to be a little more, um, if we're just talking about redraft value, so we're essentially talking about rest of the season mm -hmm. value, uh, you really have to be much more critical of these young pitchers. Um, whereas dynasty value, I love most of them. <laughs> um, and so ultimately, you know, I, so that's when I talk about the walks, I'm not as concerned dynasty value about the walks. I'm concerned redraft value about the walks. Cause that's something that right. could be a sign that that's not going to be fixed this year. And we do go back and look at the minor leagues and look what to try to figure out who this pitcher is when things are going well. And you have to build in level jumps and stuff like that and their experience at the high minors and what, what they've seen. But a control issue that you talked about, if you're looking at walks, you can look back in the minor leagues and see whether this has been an ongoing problem for this pitcher or not. We'll start with Hunter Brown because he's a pretty good example of this. And I assume, like Skylar and I, you're a three pillars guy. You're basically looking at... Uh, being able to punch out guys a little bit, at least uh, controlling your walks and controlling your home runs. And walks have been not does not a real issue for him, but he walks a little bit, more, just a hair more than you want to see him walk at this point, but he does everything else exceptionally well. Yeah, and it's worth noting, walks were a concern up until three starts ago. His last three starts, he has two walks combined. Um, and so that is something that I'm noticing. Um, he had five walks at the, in his first start in May. Uh, that was May 2nd at, at home against the Giants. Only went four and a third inning, only struck out four guys. That was a season low in strikeouts. And he walked five. Since then, one walk, one walk, zero walks. Strikeouts, it's been three, eight, nine. And his last two starts, he went five and two thirds innings, six innings. Uh, so, you know. He, this is a guy who has had walk problems in the minor leagues, um, but it is it is good to see an adjustment, a midseason adjustment like that, and and we have to hope that that sticks because the early walks and a cer certainly, you know, when he got to the point where, like I said, he walked five guys, he, he had two two five. Like when we were at that stage, kind of late April, early May, that mm -hmm. was concerning. And then there was even talk that he was going to be sent back down. Um, but it looks like he's addressing that walk issue. We'll see if that continues. Um, overall, again, the first thing I'm really looking at for redraft value is, is what is, what do I think their workload's going to be like? Um, Hunter Brown's an interesting guy cause he's been up all year. You know, he didn't start the season in the minors. He has been at, at the major league level all year. Um, he had 100 innings in 2021, 126 innings in 2022. That's obviously at the minor league level. He pitched a little bit in the major leagues last year as well. Mm -hmm. yep. But um, so you see they're working him up 100 innings, 126 innings. What does that mean for this year? Probably about 150, 160 innings. Right. Um, yep. He's not going to go more than that. He's already at about 51 innings. Um, he's had some dominant outings, um, but, you know, he also has had some where really the walks were the problem. Hunter Brown has a fantastic arsenal. Again, you got to look at what they have, what the pitches are. He has a fantastic art uh, arsenal. He needs to probably command things a little bit better as we're alluding to and mix his pitches up a little bit better. But as I said, I think in terms of innings and workload, I think we're going to get 
you know, a decent amount of Hunter Brown, but I do think the Astros are going to, you know, probably monitor it to a certain degree, skip a start here or there. That's something I think we're probably gonna have to deal with. I think it's interesting that two of his first three starts at Minnesota and in Texas, they allowed him to go seven innings. And in fact, three of his first five starts, they allowed him to go seven innings, which means that they weren't, not that they weren't concerned about an innings count, but that's not the way they were planning at this point. In other words, they weren't saying we have to have this kid for the rest of the season. So let's manage him a little bit. Right. They were just letting him do what, what he could do. And by the way, they're relatively deep in pitching and they have some pitching coming back. So that's probably something that they're not looking at him being, a necessary piece for the entirety of the season, but at 150 innings pitched, that's pretty much most starters at this point. 180 is the former, you know, 200 inning pitch level. So 150 innings pitch, that's going to get him a long way in this season. Certainly worthwhile hanging on to him at this point. If you have a head to head league, you might have to worry about dealing with him in the postseason. but that's about it. I'm looking at Hunter Brown a little bit less as as just this pure rookie, even though he essentially is. Again, he did get a cup of coffee last year, so it, he at least got a taste of the major leagues last year. Looked really good in that taste, um, and 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 he and like I said, he's been up since the beginning of this year, so he's really you know establishing himself as a major leaguer. He's almost 25 years old. Age does matter. I mean, maturity level and kind of what your seasoning is, and so. I do think Hunter Brown, I look at a little different than some of the other guys on this. And I think to your point is I think at this point he's, he's the, he's a major league starter. He's in their rotation. And and, and I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of movement there. Now, could we see some sort of sending him down mid season just to give him a two week rest or something? I think I could see that happening. Yep, I could too. Um, to again, monitor the innings. Um, I, I wouldn't worry too much if that happens because he'll be back up. Um, so I think if you have him in a redraft league, um, I think you feel pretty good about it and pretty safe. And you know, he's, he's done pretty well. Um, I do like his stuff a lot. Um, but yeah, I do think, you know, there's going to be a little bit, like I said, maybe skip a start here or there. Um, you, like you mentioned, they got Lance McCullers coming back. They've, they've got a little bit of depth. And so, um, that they have, they're going to have the opportunity to, to monitor his innings. I can't see him getting past, you know, 155, 160 innings. Um, but I think his redraft value actually looks a lot better than a lot of other guys on this list. I also think your control plays into that limit as well, because if he's more efficient in terms of having more control, throwing more strikes, getting the innings under his belt with less pitchers, then he can go a little bit deeper. So I think it's going to be important from a couple of different standpoints for him just to be in the zone a little bit more and just walk because he can beat guys. He's got some swing and miss. It's not overwhelming, but he's got some swing and miss. He's got to get first pitch strikes in and he's got to leverage counts and he's got to be efficient. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, the walks are the thing we want to monitor. Like I said, is it's really encouraging what he's done his last three starts. One walk, one walk, zero walks. Um, if that trend continues, uh, his his value even raises higher. Um, we'll have to monitor that. Like I said, he, he's had walk issues throughout his minor league career. So I'm not convinced, but there could be an adjustment he made. There could be something he found, or he's just committed to having better control, and uh, and that would be really encouraging for his value. Grayson Rodriguez, highly heralded starting pitching prospect, hasn't been a great start with the Orioles over nine starts, and it's shown in a couple different places. It's shown in the control, which you talked about, one of the first things we look at with young pitchers. He's given up home runs, too. He's striking out guys, but he's given up contact. He's given up home runs, and he's given up walks. 
Yeah, it, it's been a bit of a rough start. He did pitch on Saturday and I think looked a little bit better. Um, that was at Toronto, not an easy start. Um, only walked one, um, gave up a home run and, and, and had six strikeouts in five innings. Um, I, I, I thought I was watching some of that game. I thought he looked a little bit better, a little bit more confident. Um, innings are a concern for me with Grayson Rodriguez. He had under under 80 innings at the minor league level last year. Um, they, he is a very important part of the Orioles' future, so they are really going to consider that. Um, he's already at about a little under 50 innings this year, 42 at the major league level. He's got a, he had one start at the minor leagues. Um, so I, I, I'm a little worried about his innings and, and his workload. Um, as you mentioned, he's been hit this year. Um, you know, he, he hasn't been fooling hitters as, as much as he did in the minors. This is what we talked about is establishing that pitch. It's, it's not so much about what you have, what you have is what you have. It's about figuring out how to use it against major league pitchers or against major league hitters. And it's a lot different than minor league hitters. Um, so home runs, as you said, have been a problem for him. He's been giving up a lot of home runs. He has been hit. Um, equality of contact's been a problem, but I do believe in the stuff. He's got the velocity. He's got a really, really effective change up. He just needs how to, to figure out how to use it better, which you're really only going to do by continuing to go out there. And I, I think the Orioles understand that. I mean, again, it's not like even though he's struggled a bit that they've sent him back down. Um, so I, I, I would think they understand he's just got to keep getting the opportunity to figure it out and to keep working major league hitters needs some of that seasoning. And it's worth noting, he does have a sub four X FIP. So the home runs, I think, you know, with a 20, almost 25% home run to fly ball rate, mm-hmm. um, you know, that is possible that there's a little bit of bad luck there. Although, like we said, he's been hit hard, but I still wonder if that's a little bit of bad luck and that um, he's probably pitched a little bit better than his, his ERA shows. Um, so I, I, I don't think we throw in the towel on Grayson Rodriguez by any means. I'm talking redraft value. I don't think anybody's thinking. Yeah. I was going to ask you because this makes for an interesting decision in a redraft context. We all know what the potential in the ceiling is of Grayson Rodriguez. He's probably the top starting prospect, starting pitcher prospect in baseball right now. So in the long term, this is not even a question, but we're already into 2023. What 15, how many innings has he pitched? He's pitched, uh, 40, 42, 40, 42 innings pitched. So far this year, and what he's a hundred innings pitch, maybe he's almost halfway to what he's going to pitch, hundred and ten, maybe perhaps, and it hasn't been good. Is it time to use that roster spot for something else? As good as Grayson Rodriguez can be, are we going to see it in twenty twenty three? Yeah, I, I, I think this is one of those ones that uh, I agree. I, I think he's going to be. Again, teams have gotten more creative in how they've managed workload in recent years. For a while there, it was just shut them down, which. I don't think anybody liked, you know, shut them down in like mid August or early September or something. And that's frustrating because even for fans of that team, we saw situations right where teams were in a playoff hunt and they had to shut down one of their best pitchers. Um, I, I, I don't know how they're going to play it with Grayson Rodriguez, but they are going to play it some way. He, I mean, yeah, under 80 innings total last year. And you know, 2021, he had about 100 innings, but, you know, had some injuries last year that kept him to under 80 innings. I can't, like you said, I can't see much more than 115, maybe 120. Um, and that would be stretching it. But does that come mid-season where they send him down and protect his arm for a little bit, 
put him on a phantom IL stint or something like that? Yeah. Does it come at the end of the season? I don't know how the Orioles are going to play it, but they're going to play it somehow. So to your question, I, I mean, obviously it depends on format. I think when he's out there, I still think there's something to him. And I'm talking redraft value. So I'm talking every start now. I, I still right. think he has the potential to be effective this year. He just needs a little bit of adjustment there in that mix pitch, in that pitch mix. Um, it's getting tough, though. Last 17.2 innings pitched over his last four starts. He's given up eight homers. He's given up seven walks. That's uh, three and a half walks per nine. That's four homers per nine at this point. Strikeouts are down a little bit. It's just... The problem is, if we're talking in a redraft context, a 2023 context, he's a pretty volatile pitcher right at the moment. He is. Yeah. No, to no, totally. And and this is where, yeah, shallow league or, you know, anything like that, I think for sure. I, I think I'm, I guess I think I'm just saying any, any deeper league or uh, AL only league, I, I still want to roll with him. And if they send him down for, you know, two, three week stretch, then I'd probably drop him. And certainly if they shut him down, obviously you drop him. Um, but I, I think I still want him on my roster in, in a lot of formats. Um, just just probably not shallow leagues. And I, I'll make the, it seems I'm making this comment every podcast and show this year. But the thing is with starting pitchers is they find things right and mm -hmm. light switches come on. It's something you have to be aware of when you have a talent of this uh, of this nature. Sometimes it, and sometimes it's placebo. They'll move six inches on the rubber type of thing. Sometimes it's a grip. Sometimes it's just a little mechanical adjustment. But pitchers find something, and even if they find it psychologically, it makes a big difference for them. Just being able to come. Listen, I'm going to come in at this point. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to nibble. I'm not going to walk these guys. If I'm going to get beat, I'm going to get beat with hits. I'm not going to get beat with walks. Just could be a mindset change. But some light switches go off for, for pitchers, even young pitchers, especially young pitchers. I would say. And the fact of the matter is, if you really look at what Grayson Rodriguez has done kind of throughout the season, he is trying things. You know, his fastball usage for a while, it was in the low 40s. His last start, 54% fastball usage. Um, you know, he he's actually gained velocity in, in his last three starts on his fastball. It's been hitting 97, 98. Early on, it was 95, 96. Um, you know, he experimented a little bit with his uh, slider and then kind of and then kind of went away with, from it. And now he's going back. This is what you actually want. <laughs> you want this young pitcher to, to to figure out what is working, what the, the selection pitch selection should be for major league hitters, because, again, it is different than minor league hitters. So this is what you want from a long term value with Grayson Rodriguez. But, yes, redraft value, it's it's difficult because he's trying things out and sometimes it's not going to work and he's giving up home runs or he's, yep. you know, walking guys or whatever it may be. And so that's frustrating from a redraft value. I feel like and I don't know, I would feel like the Orioles are actually I would hope that they're still feeling, you know, I'm good with this. I know there's been some struggles, but let's let them work it out. Yeah, I hope so. But you get into these situations, and of those last 17 innings pitched and those starts, Kansas City was one of those starts. He got beat up by Kansas City in this game. So it's not even like you can stream him in, in, in a traditional way. And he, he gave up eight home runs, to the, uh, eight runs to the Angels, six runs to Kansas City in that stretch. In there, so it's not like you can even stream him at this point effectively. It's just what he has and what he doesn't. And you're right; it's kind of he's kind of working it like spring training, where he's trying he's trying things out there on the mound. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. So it just makes it tough when you're in season to take those hits on those starts that aren't as great. I'll t I'll say this: if Grayson Rodriguez ends up with a five plus ERA, I I'm interested in his value 
heading into next draft season because there's yeah. going to be people turning the page on him because maybe he bit them this year. Oh, and man. I would want to jump in on that because, you know, then he'd have a whole year under his belt, spring training next year. Um, I, I think yep. there's, I think he's working through it. Oh yeah. He's just working up a good price for us right yeah. now. And it's something to pay attention to because a lot of people are going to look at the CRA, which isn't going to be great at the end of the year, uh, even if he comes up with a few good starts, because he doesn't have enough innings left to really mm -hmm. drag down that ERA all that much to make him, uh, for the casual drafter, it's not going to make him attractive next year. You're going to get a sale price on him next year. And I love his long-term potential. But again, we're talking in the context on today's show, 2023. Yeah. I mean, he's got elite stuff. I mean, he has absolutely yeah. incredible stuff. So when you have stuff like that, when you have a 98 mile per hour fastball and a changeup that's at 84, <laughs> you know, you've got really, really, he's got a slider cutter. I mean, he's got elite stuff. When you have that kind of stuff, uh, you know, too early to turn the page, even if he continues kind of to be the, to be this volatile the rest of the season, I, I think heading into next season, I'm going to be jumping in on him a lot. We've got a few less innings to work with on Logan Allen, but he's an interesting case because the indicators across the stat line give us kind of a mixed bag of, of, of looks at him and the 304 ERA is great as expected ERA is 507. He's got a left on base percentage of 82.9 and contact hasn't been super. I mean, he's, he's been giving up some contact. There's a little swing and miss. There's a little chase in there. He's been lucky on home run to fly ball as well. Unlucky on Babbitt. What do you put together from this mixed bag? And again, we're only talking 26 innings so far. So we have to kind of have to kind of project a little bit based on the small samples that we've seen to this point. Yeah, this is one of those Guardians pitchers that you were referencing. Um, I mean, Cleveland is loaded with good young pitching. Um, obviously, we've seen both him and Bibby come up. Um, and I I am interested to see how the Guardians play this out. I'm wondering if Cleveland is going to at some point I, – I not I don't think they're a playoff team. And so I'm wondering if at some point they turn the page and just go with this young pitching. Possibility they really do roll with him. He had 111 innings in 2021, 133 in 2022. So, you know, he's had some significant innings. He's he's kind of had his triple-A experience now. Um, I could see him getting 150, 160 innings this season, and he's at about 40 combined between AAA and the majors so far. So I think we could see still plenty of redraft value with Logan Allen. As for what he's done on the field, as, as you were talking about, I mean, he's been pretty impressive, and his numbers obviously look pretty darn good. Um, he has kept the walks down. Again, first thing I'll look at is he's kept kept those walks down. Um, but like you said, I mean, the concern with him is he's, he's been giving up some hard contact, um, and it hasn't showed up in home runs yet. It will, um, he's got about a 36% fly ball rate, but only a 7% home run to fly ball rate, um, with the type of hard contact, he's given up a 10% barrel rate, you know, th those home runs are going to come. Um, so I think that home run to fly ball rate is going to probably double. Um, which is going to be more home runs, but he's avoiding walks. He, he is getting swings and misses, um, striking out an okay amount. You know, I'm, I'm good with it. It's, it's over nine. It's over one an inning. Um, so I, I like Logan Allen. I think there's some really good stuff, but I think there's going to be some regression here. 
Yeah, and I'm, he's a different pitcher in terms of innings count that we're talking about here because he's not a flamethrower. He's just around 92 miles an hour in there. He's more a speed and location type of guy, which is one I wrote about him earlier in the year when him and Tanner Bibby were kind of up at the same time and coming up at the same time. I was just trying to put together the, the choice, and I kind of preferred Bibby because he's more of a power guy than Logan Allen, who has a strikeout history but I didn't know how it would translate to the major leagues. And he's taken a hit in terms of his strikeout rate from AAA to the major leagues. Totally understandable. And he's still striking out about one per inning, a little over one per inning actually, which is perfectly fine. So that's great. But he's not as big an innings concern. Like, like you said, he's collected some innings to this point. Plus he's not a high talk, high torque, high velocity, max effort type of pitcher. He can probably stand, he can probably stand a couple extra innings on top of the innings limit that he has. I'm not really worried about him for the rest of the season because I think they'll find ways to skip him in a start or give him a little extra room. If if he pitches well enough to stay in the majors, he's going to last out the season and probably last out the season effectively, I think. Yeah, like I said, I'm interested to see what the Guardians do. I could see a six-man rotation at some point. Maybe it's when they do call up Gavin Williams, assuming they call him up this year. Um, but you, you know, you look at a guy like Logan Allen, he's going to be 25 in September. Um, he, you know, had a college career. Um, and you know, he's, he's had now a couple years, you know, full years in the minor leagues. So this is a little different than, you know, a 20 year old right. who only has, you know, I mean, he, he's, he's, I think he's able to pitch <laughs> and, you know, I mean, the guardians understand that better than we do, but I, I think he's able to go. And, um, I, I don't like, I, I yeah, skip a start maybe here or there. Or like I said, maybe they do choose to go to a six man rotation if they like, I think they should decide to throw in the towel or wave the white flag at yeah. some point. Obviously they're not going to do that in May, but maybe in, you know, July, mid to late July, go to a six man rotation and just let these young guys go. I mean, they have so many talented young pitchers. Um, you know, trade Shane Bieber, <laughs> trade Shane Bieber. You know, I mean, he's actually pretty young still. We pointed that out before, but trade him. And I'm not saying they're going to do that, but oh, wow, they have the opportunity to good really go with a good yeah. young starting staff. Trade chain while his numbers are, so, are good because his underlying numbers aren't yeah. aren't promising much there. Like with Gavin Williams, and we're not going to get to him probably here on the podcast, so I'll just say it here. You can read Prospect Central. He's on. I did him this week, talked about him this week. I'm not sure what his 2023 contribution is going to be. I think he'll get a taste. I, I think that's almost certain. He's got some uh, long-standing physical problems. He had some back issues that went through high school and in, into college a little bit. He's was a high torque, high velocity pitcher. He is a high velocity pitcher now, but his mechanics look a lot more under control. What I saw when I wrote the piece this weekend, because he has a reputation of being a high torque guy and a max effort guy. I didn't see it in what I've seen lately. And there was a, a video clip I was watching where he struck out um, uh, six guys in a row in Louisville. And first of all, I like the mechanics a lot. And of those six strikeouts, I think they came on at least four different pitchers. You got you got him on a slider. You got him on a curve. You got him on a changeup. You got him on a fastball. I love him. I love the guy. I just think from a 2023 standpoint, I think he still has some work to do in the minors. And I think they're going to baby him of any of these pitchers. Bibby doesn't seem to be a guy that they're going to baby as much. They may have to do maintenance, but, and we'll talk to, well, we'll talk about him right now, but uh, he's not a guy who's going to get babied all that much. Gavin Williams is something I think they might be a little bit more cautious with. So I'm not sure of his 2023 contribution, but uh, he's, he deserves and should get a taste at some point in there in here, if only to spell Tana Bibby and Logan Allen a little bit and do that maintenance for them. 
Yeah, I, I, I really do think this staff is so interesting. Um, you know, they, they have Peyton Battenfield, who's been fine. He's an, you know, he's an okay pitcher, but he, he just went on the IL, but it's, it sounds like it's minor and he should be back here in a couple weeks. Um, they have Aaron Savali, who should be back relatively soon, I believe. Um, and those guys slot back into the rotation. And then with Allen there and Bibby there, that and then we're at a six-man rotation. You have Bieber and Quantrill. Um, they also have Tristan McKenzie, who's going to miss, miss a good portion, um, you know, but should be back later. Um, a guy I kind of liked going into the season as maybe their fifth starter is Cody Morris. He's another guy who went on the IL before the season started and is going to miss a good portion, but he'll be back at some point, probably into the bullpen, but still they have a lot of good young pitchers. I think that's my point. <laughs> um, yes. and a six man rotation does make a lot of sense. Does that mean they just choose to, you know, keep Gavin Williams down all season? I think it's possible, but. I, I just have, I don't know. I have the sense he's going to come up at some point this year. Um, yeah, he almost has to. It, it, yeah. He's, he's going to get a taste. There's no doubt about it. It's just how much do you spend at this point and what is the 2023 contributions going to be? And Gavin Williams is one of the best pitching prospects out there right now. Uh, Andrew Painter, who's also on your list here, and um, Yuri Perez, probably guys that are a little bit better than him. The second group there under that top shelf, though, I might like Gavin Williams the best, although it's really tight among that next shelf of young starting pitching prospects. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are so many good young pitchers. This is a fun time if you're a pitching fan. Um, yeah, I, I, Gavin Williams also has really good stuff, and he has dominated at every level of the minor leagues. Like you said, he's had injury problems. That's obviously something Cleveland's going to consider um, in how to deal with him. Um, but he really has looked good at every level. Um, he's got Velo and he's got four offerings and they're all viable offerings that he can throw and he's confident in them. And it, that just makes him tough. It just, he's going to be a tough pitcher to hit. And he's going to be a tough pitcher to feel to figure out how to deal with fantasy wise. <laughs> I, I, I think if they do call him up, he should be owned. Oh yeah. Uh, now how are you, what roster spot are you using? How much fab that has to be monitored, but I, I think he's worth owning. In in pretty much most formats when he comes up, but uh, you know you're probably not going to get a ton of innings out of him, and and that's ultimately it. But he might not come up until July, August, and right. at that point, you know they might let him just kind of finish out the season. We'll see. Tana Bibby is the other pitcher on the Indians roster that we're interested in, and it, I kind of I would have switched the stat line so far for for Bibby and Lo Logan Allen because what we're seeing in Tana Bibby is we're seeing an excellent, excellent year, a good ERA, of course, and it's supported by a lot of things. His contact level, he's kept it down, and he's kept his walk levels down. But the swing and miss hasn't been there as I expected because he's more of a below guy and more of a power pitcher. But the swing and miss and his ability to beat hitters hasn't shown up yet quite in the major leagues. And what makes that interesting from the standpoint of you emphasizing control is that usually when that happens for a power pitcher, they get iffy about going in the zone. They start to nibble a little bit, and that walk rate goes up. It hasn't been the case for him, though. No, and and he's kept his walk rate down, you know, last year. I mean, it, this is a guy who really only has two years of professional experience. He was drafted in 2021, um, and then, you know, pitched last year. He did throw 133 innings last year um, throughout uh, single A and double A, um, but that was his first season in, in professional baseball. And like you said, he kept his walks down last year. 
A um, couple starts here in AAA this year. He walked some guys, but not going to read a whole lot into it. And he's keeping walks really down low um, through four starts at the major league level. Um, he, he's had a bit of luck like Logan Allen in terms of home runs. I should say not a bit of luck, a lot of luck. Mm-hmm. Cause he's, he's given up almost 50% fly ball rate and only a 3.6% home run to fly ball rate. So, you know, when you're giving up that many fly balls, once that home run to fly ball rate regresses a bit, um, yeah, there, there's going to be some more home runs that get hit out of the park. But like you said, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who's got a good, you know, high level fastball, um, and, and did strike out a lot of guys, you know, through his minor leagues, um, his short minor league stint, um, I mean, it's sufficient, you know, he's got a 25% K rate. That's, that's fine. Um, his swinging strike rates only at about 10%, but, um, it's again, kind of a bit of a small sample size. Um, I kind of want to see, I think he's going to strike guys out as the season moves on. Um, you know, two of the teams he's played the Yankees and the angels, those, those are, yeah. And not, not that the angels are typically super tough start, but you know, um, They've got some guys. And then he had, you know, the uh, Detroit was actually his worst start. And that was a start where he walked four guys. Um, He hasn't walked anybody in his other three starts. So, you know, he just didn't have it that day. I I mean, Bibby, I I agree. I like him more than Logan Allen. I like both of them. Um, I like Bibby more than Logan Allen. I think the innings I'm a little less concerned about, but I do still think there's going to be something done here, whether it's a six-man rotation, skipping a start here or there. Um, another guy who, you know, is a college pitcher, 24 years old. Um, so it's not like we're talking about, you know, 19, 20 year old pitcher. So I, I think long, uh, rest of season value redraft value. I, I do like Bibby. I, I think the strikeouts are going to be fine. Uh, regression with the home runs, but I think the strikeouts are going to come. Um, the question is again, where do they find time to skip a start or a six man rotation? Some along those lines. I think we'll see that at some point. The other thing that I find that I like about him and his performance so far is he is a power guy. He throws mid-90s, and hopefully he'll have some more swing and miss that will come along as it goes. I fully expect it will. But he's even with that, he's a sub-50% fastball guy. He has secondary stuff. It's it's developed secondary stuff to the pe- point where he's continued it here in the majors. He's 30% slider, 12% changeup. He's throwing these pitchers, which means he and the organization – and by the way, the catching staff have confidence in them. And so he's got quality secondary offerings, offerings which is going to make that, that mid-90s velocity pl- pay up, play up eventually. And hopefully that swing strike rate comes up because he's shown more in the minors, even at AA and AAA. Swing strike has been higher. Chase has been a little bit higher. I think we'll see more of it as we go. I think almost he, we talk about young hitters being contact-centric. I think he's control-centric at this point. I think he's just trying not to walk guys. Yeah, and and again, we they're they're always working with what is the right pitch mix. It, it's it's not about it's not even about how much of each pitch you throw. It's about when you throw it. Right. Yep. And um, I I think there's a little bit of that with him. You know, he he has yeah that fastball changeup, and there's a good delta, a good ten mile per hour delta. But that slider also has a, a almost a twelve mile per hour delta. So that slider almost works as a changeup as an off speed pitch as well and then also slides off to the to the side and now the problem is you can hang a slider and that's where he's had a lot of balls hit in the air um just hasn't been burned so much on home runs yet um but i i 
I worry a bit about that, but uh, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of options. Then he has a curveball too. He doesn't use it a whole lot, but you know that could be a pitch he he finds a little more comfort with as the season goes on. When you have that 95 mile per hour fastball and three pitches under 85 miles per hour, you know there's a lot of ways you can work with that. And he's going to work through it, you know, as the season goes on, probably find more ways to strike guys out and, and what's his best way to put guys away right now. It's more his change up than anything, but I think, you know, ultimately maybe it becomes the slider or the curveball. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, he, he's got a lot to work with and, and it all starts off that 95 mile per hour fastball. Um, I, I, I like it. I think the strikeouts are going to come. I really do. But the catchers and the staff and the coaching staff have looked at his secondary stuff and they don't have a problem throwing. They don't have a problem with him throwing it. They're calling it enough to give me indications that, uh, first of all, he's confident is confident in it. Secondly, so is the catching staff and so is the coaching staff. If you want, you know, they'll call the slider when they need it because it's a quality slider. Yeah. I mean, it's been really, really good. Um, his slider. So no, that makes sense. Absolutely. I'd love to see him, you know, I'd love to see him use it a little bit more for strikeouts. Um, but it's, it's, it's been really good. A really good pitch so far. Bryce Miller, just four starts to work with 25 innings, pitched a 142 ERA and an X ERA of 281 on, on this, on that end of it left on base percentage. Hasn't been lucky. His Babbitt has been lucky. He hasn't given up a home run yet. So he's got a 0% home and a fly ball. What do we make of him so far? Yeah, I, I really like Bryce Miller. Um, he had almost 130 innings last year. Um, so again, this is a guy who I think he started this season in the minors. Now he's not pitched at the major league le- or at the triple A level. Um, skip the AAA level, but again, almost 25 years old. Um, this is a guy who um, was a, 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 a college pitcher, um, so it was a little bit more seasoned. Um, I think they'll let him go a pretty decent amount, um, but probably, again, not exceeding 160 innings, 155, 160 innings. Um, so I'm a, I am a Bryce Miller stan. I've been saying this. <laughs> I like this guy a lot. I, I Yes, a big part of it is those walks. I mean, I see a guy with that low of a walk rate. Um, and, you know, he didn't walk a lot of guys at the minor league level either. Um, this, is, this is someone that I'm interested in. Um, I, the strikeouts, again, kind of similar to Bibby. They haven't quite right. been there where we'd want them to be. I think I think they come. Um, I think we're going to get to a point. I think he's had some good luck, as you said. Um, uh, there's been some, you know, low, extraordinarily low Babbitt, but a low left on base percentage as well. So, you know, he's been fortunate about there. Um, but I, I think those strikeouts come, and I just love that he's just not walking anyone. Um, I, I like his stuff. I like Bryce Miller a lot. I think the, the Mariners did a really good job in the way they kind of handled him. Um, and I think it was the right decision for the, him to jump from double A to the majors. I think he looks more than equipped to handle major league hitting. I'm guessing that slider is really good because he's 80 plus percent fastball slider. And, and this is baseball these days. If you have the slider, you can do well. You can accomplish things in this game because that's the pitch that's dominating the game right now. Yeah. Oh, uh, 83 batting average against the slider. Is that pretty good? That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, there's been a little bit of luck. He, he, he's he's given up some velocity on it, but it, it moves. And, you know, so that velocity, uh, you know, leads to maybe more ground balls and, uh, you know, topping it or getting under it. Um, he's he's he, he's been really good with that slider. There's no question about it. I mean, the fastball is really good, too. 
Um, that's another 95 mile per hour fastball. Um, and, and that's his primary pitch, no question about it, but it's been really good and really effective as well. Giving up some hard contact on those pitches, but again, those are pitches that tend to give up hard contact. Um, it's about, you know, where is that contact and, and also the ability to kind of blow guys away with it. So, um, and then he's got a curveball that he can use. He doesn't use it a lot. It's 11% use, but that's, that's okay for a curveball especially in your rookie year. And um, well, think about what you're looking at here. You're looking at a mid nineties fastball. That's excellent. It's got a lot of life on it and he can locate it. And you've got the slider coming out with, and we talk about Delta in terms of change up a lot, but it matters with the slider too, because anytime you get close to 10 miles an hour, pitchers, hitters can't read and react. They can't sit on one and react to the other when you're about 10 miles per hour. So that makes it tough. And you're seeing that 85% of the time, but every, every once in a while, 15% of the time you get that curveball, you get that change up mixed in there as well. He's giving hitter, even though he's only, he, we would call him a two pitch pitcher. He still has the ability to give hitters a lot of things to think about and the ability to keep them mentally off balance, which is important for a two pitch pitcher. Yeah, no, no question. He's, he's got the, the, the movement, the velocity change, all of that. He, he's got options. And again, this is the thing with these young pitchers is they're going to develop. They're going to continue to find what works best for major league hitters. Again, a guy who didn't pitch in the, in triple a. So facing double a hitters, a lot different than facing major league hitters. So um, he's, he's still working his way through it uh, at the major league level, but I mean, he's been inc incredibly effective. I mean, had his, his first three starts, he gave up one total run. <laughs> um, that's really good. And then his last start, um, you know, that happened on Friday, gave up three runs in six and a third innings. But, you know, it was like at Atlanta, that's a really, really tough start. Um, and he still only walked one guy. Um, keeping those walks down. Man, if he can continue to do that, he's going to be able to be effective. Taj Bradley just really stretches the whole concept of, of today's show about redraft value with him because here's a... God, I love this kid as a pitcher. I don't think there's a sexier starting pitching prospect going. I love his stuff. I love his variety of pitches. I like everything about him. But from a 2023 standpoint, and by the way, he's pitching pretty well. It kind of brings me to my general philosophy with these guys. And it's been that way. I own Bryce Miller. I own Tanner Bibby. I own, you know, I own some of these young guys that I can get my hands on. It's like until you show me otherwise, until they start hitting you, I'm going to go with you a little bit. Ride the hot hand in the back part of your uh, pitching staff i'm a big proponent of this have your flex spots have some guys that you can stream have some guys that are just hot hands and run with them taj bradley is a guy well until he proves otherwise until he proves to me he's not ready and by the way in the long term i think he's a terrific starting pitching prospect but until he proves to me he's not ready for 2023 i'm gonna ride with him yeah and it makes sense because you are getting the strikeouts he keeps his walks really low so he's got great strikeout to walk rate um, for a young pitcher. And again, this is what we saw throughout the minor leagues as well, but it's been really good at the major league level. Yeah. It's a little weird what to make of him because obviously we mentioned they sent him down um, and he was really bad at five starts <laughs> at triple at a and, and he's been nothing but good at the major league. So it's like, well, where, what, where are we at with this guy? Um, innings wise, I look at Shane McClanahan. So McClanahan went 123 innings in his rookie season. That was two years ago. And then 166 last year. So they, they progressed him from 123 to 166. I, I think we could kind of see a similar sort of approach here with, with Bradley. So he's already at 20 
major league innings. Again, I mentioned he threw those 16 triple a innings. So about 36 innings he's thrown this year. I think he's probably not getting more than 125. Um, maybe 130 because I just kind of look at what the Rays have done with their previous pitchers. He's 22 years old, so he's relatively young. Um, I, I, so I don't, I don't think we're going to see much more than 125 innings. Um, but how many of those are going to be in the majors? Because I see him as a situation of him being used as the guy who helps bring other people along in terms of, of, of workload maintenance here, as opposed to the guy that they're managing for workload maintenance, because a couple of things, he could use some time in the minors. He's got some things to work on, and he's an interesting case for me because he has some command. I was really kind of impressed with the command. I saw his first start against the Red Sox and followed a couple other starts afterwards. I liked his ability to locate, but sometimes the control, sometimes he just misses on a pitch, and he misses pretty badly. So there are some mechanics. There are some things to work out. He is only 22 years old. So how many of the, if he gets 120 innings pitched this year, how many of those do you think are going to be in the majors? Because I think he's the guy who comes up and down and helps to maintain the major league pitching staff as opposed to being the guy that they're trying to maintain. It's always so hard to read what, yeah. what the Rays are going to do. <laughs> Cause I mean, they do all sorts of crazy things. Is like Josh Fleming is part of the rotation. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's been kind of in the rotation, but it's like, he doesn't seem like a, a rotational guy. And they'll do so, a bullpen day. If they need to spell a starting right? pitching or they need to stretch out their rotation a little bit, they'll just do a bullpen day. Yeah. And I mean, it, we think Tyler glass now is coming back at some point. Um, you know, they lost Drew Rasmussen for a good portion of the season, but at some point he probably will be back. So anyways, I mean, it's all, and then they still have even, you know, other guys at, at their, um, minor league level. Um, so I, I, I agree. I, I think he's probably going to get 125 innings, 130 innings that is combined majors and minors. I think he spends more time in the minors this year. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I think he's still has Tyler Glass now, actually. Say that again. He might end up being a handcuff with Tyler Glass now. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And and again, like you said, they'll go to bullpen game. That you know, the Rays do all sorts of things. But the thing of the of it is, this is not just random. I mean, they have a plan for Taj Bradley. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so we don't know this, what it is, but they have. One. We don't know. I, I would imagine that they're at least communicating with him. I would hope so. Yeah. But he did look bad at the minor league level. I don't read too much into it. He's looked good at every other portion. As you said, I mean, long-term value, love the guy. I mean, he's got elite strikeout stuff, and he doesn't walk guys. I mean, it's really encouraging um, that there's a lot to really like about what he can do. And um, redraft value, it's just going to be kind of tough and frustrating. He's a guy who I did pick up when he came up earlier in the season in a couple leagues, and then... When he went back down, I dropped him in one of the leagues. I'm not really sure how I want to play him um, at this point, but a uh, guy who's probably going to be frustrating, but I think, yeah, you're probably going to want to start him most starts he's out there. Yep, if another fastball, cut fastball type of guy, and he's got a curve and a change. All of them are good-looking pitchers. All of them are usable for him at this point. He commands all of them, and again, the control is a little bit off, especially on the secondary stuff, because sometimes he just misses, and of course, the start I watched the most was his first start against the Red Sox, and that's first major league start. These guys, you know, oftentimes just wear themselves out three or four innings in, and that control can start to wane a little bit. I just think he has still has some work to do. He's only 22 years old, and it, there's no rush with this kid. Um, and I just like him in the long term. 
I think the best explanation might be he might be a handcuff for Glass now because they're not going to run Glass now into the ground when he comes back either. They're going to be careful with him, so they may spend times where they just bring up when they bring up Taj to just spell him a little bit. And he hasn't, you know, he's basically thrown five innings in every start. He had five and a third in his second start. I, I think we're going to see more of that, and that's going to be frustrating for fantasy owners. Is uh, you know you're you're not going to see probably too many seven eight inning. Even if he's, even if he's, his pitch count is manageable. Right. I, I just think they're probably going to have five innings. And look, they have such a deep bullpen. That's what the Rays do. So I think in their mind, they say, let's get five innings out of Tosh Bradley. And we turn the ball over to our bullpen. I, I just think we're going to see now. And, or we could see, like you said, handcuffed to, um, to glass. Now we could see some piggybacking even. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if nope. there's a start where glass now throws three innings and then Tosh Bradley throws five. No, nope, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. And I, they're they're going to be careful with Glass now once they get him back, and they're going to try to stretch him out so that they have him for the stretch run in the postseason. So I think that's probably the role that Taj Bradley plays. Not because he's not ready for the major leagues now, because I think they could. I think there's 26 teams in this league who could just <laughs> run him out and just every fifth day and let him go at this point, even though he's 22. But the Rays don't have to do that. Uh, and it helps when you're 34 and 13 and, yes. you know, you're just comfortably <laughs> in first place and in that, you know, playoff, you know, race. And the, the Rays have just been fantastic this season. So they can do what's best to, like you said, set themselves up for the postseason and and work with their young pitchers the way they want to work with them. All right. That's it for us here on the Inside of Baseball podcast. Check us out at InsideOfBaseball.com and free to non-subscribers. And there's the baseball blog over there that's free to non-subscribers as well. If you found us on Apple or Google or Spotify, uh, by all means, just check us out at InsideOfBaseball.com. Take a look at our baseball blog, which has samples of some of the notes that we send out every morning to our subscribers. And you can take a look at our fantasy baseball tools that we offer our subscribers to help them win championships. There's a ton of blogs, a ton of our uh, podcasts out there. So check that out and some great writing on the blogs as well. Everyone have a great day. We'll see you next time on the Inside of Baseball podcast. Oh, yeah. Let's go.